all night long. The crows fought as a jet-lagged Remy Wadia struggled to sleep in an unfamiliar bed. Occasionally, a dog howled, the sound hair-raisingly melancholy, and Remy had to cover his ears with a pillow. He heard the roar of a motorcycle and glanced at the alarm clock. 2 a.m. A few minutes later, he was on the threshold of a dream when loud voices from the street below jolted him awake. He swore under his breath, flinging the sheet off. Finally, at 6 a.m., even though he was afraid of awakening Django and Shanaz in the next room, he got up to use the attached bathroom. Then he made his way to the small balcony off his bedroom. A light breeze from the nearby sea made his thin muslin sadra flutter against his skin as he leaned against the railing. He looked down at the treetops. What had made the damn crows squawk all night long? There had been something spooky and unnerving about their nocturnal shrieking, but then this, too, was Bombay, the birds as defiant and absurd as the rest of the city. He looked toward the main road and wondered if his mother was awake, too. Her apartment building was only a few streets away from Django's, where he had spent the night after his friend had picked him up from the airport. Remy yawned. It had been a long flight from Columbus, Ohio, and he was exhausted. Then he reminded himself of the reason for his visit to India and felt a throb of excitement. Shenaz's niece, Monaz, was to arrive at 10 a.m., he thought about taking a quick shower, but worried that the sound of running water would disturb his hosts. Still, he wanted to look his best when Monaz came, wanted no trace of his fatigue to show. First impressions are often the last impression, Dad used to say. Dad. The thought of his boisterous, warm-hearted father made Remy smile. It was his first time back since Cyrus had died three years ago. He had not visited his mother since then, and he felt the usual pang of guilt at the thought. Well, he would see her in a few hours, would surprise her by showing up at her door. Maybe things would be softer between them now that Daddy was gone and Remy no longer had to protect him from his mother's grievances and sharp barbs. A solitary crow rose from the tree and fluttered past the balcony. He'd hated them since his childhood, when one of them had swooped down and stolen the sandwich right out of his hand, its sharp beak slicing his finger. Remy rubbed his thumb against his index finger, tracing the path of the injury, which had faded to a faint scar. How old had he been on that Sunday at the zoo with his father? It had been a happy day, but bookended by disaster. His parents had planned a different excursion, but something had gone wrong. They had fought. Remy closed his eyes against the memory of the rumble of voices, as steady and incessant as rain, coming from his parents' bedroom. When at last his mother had emerged, her eyes were red. A wave of outrage had risen in the young Remy, and he'd run up to hug and console her which was why he had been stunned when she'd gruffly pushed him away. Cyrus had come out of their bedroom in time to see Remy stumble, had noticed the tears that sprang into the boy's eyes. His face flamed. Shame on you, Shirin, he said to Remy's mother. You're taking out your kunnas against me on an innocent boy? 
it was too late to stop the tumble of memories. His mother's grief turning into anger. Her accusing Remy of putting on a show for his father's benefit. Cyrus roaring with indignation. The look his mother threw at Remy before she locked herself in her room. Remy had crept away into his own bedroom, but a few minutes later, a grim-faced Cyrus stood in the doorway. I'll be damned if I waste this beautiful day waiting for Shirin to come to her senses, he'd said. Where would you like to go? Remy didn't have to think. The zoo, he said. A baby elephant had been born there a few weeks earlier. Django had gone last week and was still gushing about it. Done, Cyrus said. Go put on your shoes and socks. 